Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Shred Takes podcast show. I'm Mike Shredder. Glad you guys could join us again. And what I want to get into today is just some stuff within the NBA, obviously. That's what I like to do on this show. But talk more specifically about improvements that these teams who won last night and also who are playing tonight need to make to be more successful going forward. So I'm going to start with the Nuggets. The Nuggets won last night 80-78 to on a go-ahead shot by Nikola Jokic. He had 30 points and 14 rebounds last night, played really well, shot 12-23 from the floor. And then Jamal Murray gave you 19 points yesterday. Did not shoot a very good percentage at all. But what he did is he came up big when you needed him to. Big steal, big two buckets, a big bank jump shot, and a big layup. And the thing with him is he didn't play consistent like he did in the other games. But what he did is didn't let him affect the way he played in terms of his effort. Now, the Nuggets played horrible in the second half yesterday. Horrible. They scored 30 points total in the second half. That's really bad. But what they proved to me was that they could guard people. The Jazz only scored 78 points, 36 in the first half and 42 in the second half, which also tells me that Denver can actually defend people when they put their minds to it. Now, the problem with Denver is their third option, right? So here are three things I think they need to improve on from last night if they play the Clippers. One is Jamal Murray's got to be consistent. Two, Nikola Jokic has to be assertive. And three, they have to get a reliable third option to fit offensively. Jamal Murray needs to be consistent because if he – I'm not saying he needs to score 50 points a game. That is – asking a guy to do that is absurd. That's, that's, that's out of the question. Giving you 25 points is something I think he's very capable of doing. He proved last series that he can do more than that. He needs to be consistent because he needs to be part of that one-two punch with Jokic. And if he's not consistent, then – they don't really have enough perimeter guards to get the job done. Jokic needs to be assertive like he was last night because the Clippers don't have anyone that can guard him. Harrell's too small in terms of height and weight that Jokic can beat him up inside. But, jo- but Jokic also could take a guy like Zubats outside where he can make threes, take him to the basket. You know, he's slow. He's very crafty getting the basket because he lost weight, that kind of stuff. The third thing is they need a reliable third option. Jeremy Grant sometimes is that. Michael Porter sometimes. Gary Harris hasn't been great since he came back. Now, not having Will Barton in the lineup, he would be their third option, right? Paul Millsap isn't consistent either. So their third option is crucial if they want to get by the Clippers because the Clippers have at least three guys who can give you 20 in the playoffs. Now, Paul George hasn't played that well in the playoffs. He only really has had one or two games in that six-game series they beat the Mavericks in. But Lou Williams and Kawhi have been consistent. And they can, you know, Kawhi averaged 33 last series. Lou Williams has had big games in the playoffs as well, and he's been good this season. So that's why the third option for Denver becomes that much more important. Now, also, I want to talk a little bit about just the Bucs generally. Now, I have a big problem with the Bucs, and I had them beating Miami, but last game did not look very good for them, obviously, because they lost 115 to 104. And no one in Miami had a negative plus minus in that game. And when you have, I'm looking at my notes here, but when you have Milwaukee shoots 49% from the floor and 46% from three, they should win that game. But you know why they lost? Because Giannis goes 4-12 from the free throw line. They have 19 turnovers. And their starters were all 
minus in the plus minus. Giannis just had six turnovers and only had 18 points. It was four 12th and free throw line. They shot 54% as a team from the line. Miami shot 82%. Now, what do I think that they need to improve on? This is specifically about Giannis. So the three things I think that Milwaukee's got to do tonight is get Giannis in the post more, get the other guys to continue shooting well, like Middleton and Lopez, and put Giannis on Jimmy Butler. First thing is Giannis has got to get in the post more. And that's a very simple thing. I'm going to give you another comparison. LeBron James has gotten walled off by teams before. Portland tried to do it to him in round one. But he does a smart thing. He gets it into a guy at the high post or the wing. He runs down and he posts up. And then he gets a position where he's only three feet from the basket. Has to take one dribble, maybe no dribbles. Maybe max two dribbles so if he's a little farther out than three feet. But it's a bucket because he's smart enough to figure that out. Giannis has got to stop trying to drive into four guys because that's what the defense wants him to do. He's great at doing that, but he can't do that in the playoffs when teams are just sitting there expecting him to do that. What he can do is throw it into a wing to Lopez or to Middleton or to George Hill or Pat Connaughton or Kyle Corbett. Throw it into one of those guys, circle down, have someone come up to the high post or not, and get deep position and throw it into him where all he has to do is take one dribble or no dribbles lay it or up and or dunk it on some guy. That's all he has to do. And when he wants to post up, he's actually pretty effective. I've seen him in the post this year. He has a turnaround fadeaway over his right shoulder going based on that's actually not that bad. And he can go down low and get you buckets because I think he's big enough and he's strong enough to do it. But he's got to stop doing That's also Budenhoser too. That's not just Giannis, right? So that's the first point. The second point is the fact that the, second, the supporting cast has to play like they did in game one. Now, Chris Middleton had a great game, right? Chris Middleton gave you 28 points. He did not play great in the second half, but if you allow him to have 28 points, you can be very effective. Now, he can't have four turnovers, right? He can't do that. But I think what he can do is continue to be aggressive because if they're going to double-team Giannis, that's his time to shine because he's not going to get the defensive coverages on him that Miami's going to put on a guy like Giannis because Middleton's just not as good. Lopez also has to produce. Lopez gave you 24 points. And Kyle Korver gave you 11 points, right? Now, guys like DiVincenzo and Pat Connington and Marvin Williams need to produce. But they also don't have Eric Bledsoe yet. So they, when they get Eric Bledsoe back, he's got to produce too. He's got to give you that 12 to 14 points. The supporting gas is crucial. And that's the only way they're really going to beat Miami unless Giannis scores 35 points. Because they have that good supporting cast, that's what got them to the number one seed. That's what got them to being a championship favorite. Third thing is Giannis has got to guard Jimmy Butler. That's pretty simple. Jimmy Butler gave you 40 points in game one. And looking at my notes here, he was 13 of 20 from the floor, 2 of 2 from 3, 12 of 13 from the line. And he was very effective. He was plus 7 on the court. Then you also had Goran Dragic, who gave you 27. And... Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson didn't even play that well in game one. Duncan Robinson only had four points. Tyler Hero only had six points. Sorry, Tyler Hero had 11 points. But he shot three of 11 from the floor. So you got to put Giannis on Jimmy Butler because Giannis is – it's not like saying put Rudy Gobert on the guy because Rudy Gobert is defensive player of the year. Like some of the guys in ESPN saying just because he's defensive player of the year, you should put him on. It's because Giannis is known to be able to guard every position. He's quick enough and athletic enough. And he can do that. So put him on Jimmy Butler when you need him to, because that's going to be harder for Jimmy Butler to score as so compared to a guy like Pat Connington or Chris Middleton, where he's stronger than them. 
you know, Jay Butler's six six. You put six eleven Giannis Antetokounmpo on him, who that's tough length to shoot over, especially because Jimmy's more of a mid range go to the basket type of player. Even though he can hit threes, he's more go to the basket, right? And that's I think going to play to Milwaukee's benefit because Brook Lopez can at least block shots and make it tough for Bam Adebayo. Like Bam Adebayo didn't necessarily dominate in game one. He had 17 rebounds, but he only had 12 points. And Bam Adebayo is a great player, great all-star, right? He's a 16 and 10 guy. But that's just, I think, the, the crucial thing too with them. Now with OKC and Houston, it's simple for Houston. James Hart, the three things that Houston needs to do tonight to win are these. James Harden's got to show up in the fourth quarter. Russell Westbrook's got to control the ball. And the supporting cast has to show up. Now, the third thing, the supporting cast showing up, actually, I thought they did a decent job the other night. But I'm talking about specifically Eric Gordon. He shot atrocious in this series. And I, I just think that that's just the problem there, right? If you, you, look at, you look at Eric Gordon. And he's a great player, but he can't stay healthy, and he shoots a bad percentage, right? And that's a problem, right? If Eric Gordon doesn't stay healthy, they're not going to win. Now, James Harden needs to play at a high level as well. Now, he had 32 points in game six. He's played pretty well this entire series. I mean, he's scored around 30 in mostly every game, except for game two. But the problem I have with him is simple. With four minutes to go, and four minutes to go or less in that game six, he took two shots, didn't make either of them, wasn't really looking aggressive, and they lost the game. They had a six-point lead with 4.15 left to go, 98 to 92, and he took two shots the rest of the game, allowing Chris Paul to score eight of the last 12 points. If they're going to win this series, it's going to be because of James Harden. It's not going to be because of Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook's still coming up an injury. He's still very rusty, and that's kind of the problem there. So – I mean, look at James Harden. He's just a great player, but he's got to play more big time in these moments. And the last thing is Russell Westbrook has to play more in control. Seven turnovers isn't going to get it done. Because if you're 8-15 from the floor, that's actually very good for him. I like that from him. But seven turnovers, just the, the dumb passes he was making because he was rushing, right? Because he was trying to get down into the defense. They collapsed, and he jumped in the air and tried to throw these tough passes, or he was trying to make it too quick of a play and he just lost track of controlling the ball as well as I think he can. So for the Rockets to win, he's going to have to control the ball too as a second option to not give Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gillis-Alexander more opportunities to keep the game close. For OKC, it's very simple. Continue to throw Lou Gensdort on Harden. Chris Paul's got to continue to play at his high level, and they got to keep the game close. Lugens Dort has done an unbelievable job short, forcing Harden to shoot 30%, around 30% from the floor when he's been guarded by him. That's an incredible job because he's big enough and strong enough to at least bother James Harden. Now, I think they have to continue to throw bodies at James Harden the entire game to wear him down. But Lugens Dort's a guy who can definitely wear him down, make it tough for him, make him in the second half get a little bit more exhausted. I think they need to continue to do that because that's worked for them so far. Now, the second thing is, Chris Paul has to play big, and that's just the important piece there. Chris Paul's got to play big. He's got to be able to be that player that needs to be. And if he does that, like he does the other night, him and Danilo Gallinari play big. Shea Alexander plays big. They're going to be fine. I think, I think if they play like that tonight, they're going to be fine. 
Now they also have to keep the game close. Because in their close games this series, they've won. Houston's blown them out in three games. But in the games that have been close, they have done well because they, by the numbers, are the most clutch team in the NBA in terms of wins. They have the most wins in games decided by five points or less with five minutes to go on the clock. Chris Paul, with by those numbers, the five points or less score and five minutes to go or less has the most points in basketball in those moments. So he's technically, based on those numbers, the most clutch player in basketball right now. So you put him in clutch moments, he proved that in game six. I like OKC's chances. Now, who I think is going to win the game tonight? Houston should be favored. But I personally think I'm going to run with OKC. And I'm okay admitting that if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think that they have the mental toughness to get to that level that I don't think Houston does. I think Houston's still a little bit of shambles trying to get Westbrook back in the lineup. So that's where I go there. Now, the last thing I want to get into is just the Boston Celtics. I was totally wrong on the Raptors. I thought the Raptors were a lot better than they showed so far in these first two games. Clearly, Boston's a better team. Clearly. It's without question. You know, you go up 2-0, you have a lead with the Raptors. And there are three things they just took away from it. Is that the, here are the three, three things. Pascal Siakam is not a superstar yet. Two is the Celtics have better guard play. And three is the Celtics have more big plays in their system. So Pascal Siakam not being the best player on the championship team. It's not a superstar. Not a hot take based on this series. And here's where I go with those statistics. Based on the notes I'm looking at right now from how he shot last night, he was 6-16 again. He had 17 points. Now, look, he's, he's controlling the turnovers because that's what they do. They, they're they're going to be able to control their turnovers. But he had 17 points in 6-16 shooting against a team that doesn't necessarily have a – they don't actually have a rim protector. Daniel Tice is not a rim protector. He's 6-8. They have great perimeter defense. I mean, they're a top five defense in the NBA for a reason. But they are making that – look, I'm just looking at the, the shooting percentages. Boston shot 40% from three. 92% from the line. Now, they overall only shot 42%. But that's why Pascal Siakam, for example, is not a superstar. Because you look at Jason Tatum's numbers last night, he had 34. You look at Pascal Siakam, he's had 17. He only had like 16 in game one. He's shooting bad percentages because he's rushing his shots. He's going too quick. He's not strong enough yet. He's a little too raw in his skill set. He's not quite there yet as a player. Now, he's an all-star, but he's not a superstar based on what I've seen in this series so far. Now, I could change it around in the next two games. I don't see that happening. I see Boston coming out. Now, the second thing I'm going to say is that Boston just has better guards. And you look at the stats, and I think that that proves that. Kemba Walker had a really bad shooting game, but he made big shots when you needed him to. He had 17. Jalen Brown had 16. Marcus Smart had 19 and was 6 of 11 from three-point range. And then, you know, you got Jason Tatum just gives you 34. That's, a, that's like another night in the office form. So you will compare that to the Raptors. The Raptors have Kyle Lowry, once again, not playing well in the playoffs, 5 of 16. Fred Van Fleet, 8 of 22. Just, again, you know, you, you, we look at the Raptors and they have depth, right? And you look at the depth that they had yesterday. Now, Serge Ibaka had a great game off the bench. He had 17 and 9. But – 
it just goes back to the problem I see with the Raptors is this is the guard play compared to Boston's isn't good enough. Boston's guard play is better. And Boston has just makes bigger moments. Marcus Smart made three after three in the fourth quarter. Kemba Walker made clutch shots. The Raptors don't necessarily have a good closer yet. They don't. Pascal Siakam is not a closer because he hasn't proven that. Fred Van Fleet could be your closer, but he doesn't always shoot a consistent shooting percentage. So based on those numbers, Boston right now is the better team. I think Boston's going to win the series in five or six games. And they're just the better team. They are the better team. They're doing this without Gordon Hayward, mind you, who is also an 18-point-per-game scorer when healthy. So Boston looks really, really good. And I was definitely wrong on the Raptors. I thought the Raptors' team play and their defense would get them through. But clearly that's so far not been the case. Boston's playing very well chemistry-wise, very well defensively, and their guard play is just better. And they make more clutch shots, and Pascal Siakam's not a superstar. So that's where I go with that kind of stuff. And I'm going to wrap it up here for you guys. And I encourage you guys to watch a clip of this up on YouTube. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch more YouTube videos that you guys are interested in. And also just watch more episodes that I've had in the past as well. So I hope you guys have a good one. And thank you for joining episode eight of season three of Shred Stakes. I hope you guys have a good one.